You are now tuned in to the AddictedToSuccess.com podcast, where geniuses, entrepreneurs, and next-level game-changers share their juicy little secrets on achieving massive success. This is the advice you wish you heard years ago. Be prepared and take note as we expose the realness and the raw of what it takes to be successful on AddictedToSuccess.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Addicted to Success podcast. Now today I have with me the human guinea pig, absolute amazing best-selling author, uh, entrepreneur, investor, speaker. I mean, dude, you have so many titles. How do you keep up with all these titles? <laughs> Tim Ferriss. It was, well, no, it's great, great to be here. Yeah, the one thing you learn after years of writing books is how to write a very self-congratulatory bio. So I suppose I should probably cut out a couple of the the commas and titles that I have in there, but. <laughs> You know, one step, one step at a time. Once the pub, you know, the day that the publisher asks you to write the about the author bio is the day that you get very good at patting yourself on the back. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. So I had the opportunity to uh, check out the trailer of your new TV show, The Tim Ferriss Experiment, and I love it, man. I absolutely love it. I, I believe that part of success is learning new skills, and I love how you just like you focus on learning as fast as you can. Right. So tell me a little bit about this show first. I'm really intrigued. Like, yeah. wh where are you going with it and, and where can we see this show? Yeah, absolutely. So the context uh, is kind of funny. I had never really planned on doing any TV or, or, or um, taking that step because I was always approached with just ridiculous proposals to do really embarrassing things in reality TV and it never made any sense. <clears throat> and then I had a broadcaster, Turner Broadcasting, approached me and they asked the question nobody had asked. And they said, what would you do in television if you could do anything? And I was like, hmm, that's a good question. So my two ideas were, number one, I'd like to have a sort of action-packed show with really high stakes where I show like the, the max limits of accelerated learning, where I'm just killing myself to try to learn these insane skills in a week or less with really good teachers. And the second show idea was a show about how to become Jason Bourne. And uh, because I love the Bourne identity and yeah. I, I, I could go through that movie and name the skills that I wanted to learn. So I ended up then, oh, and the third piece was I only want to make something that I would want to watch. And one of my favorite shows for a long time was No Reservations with Anthony Bourdain, which was really gritty, very cinematic. And now he does uh, Parts Unknown. And the production company is called Zero Point Zero. So I ended up being able to combine all three of those things uh, where I, I have a show in which I'm trying to tackle notoriously punishing skills, one per week, and I have typically three to four days to try to go from zero to the final test. And uh, I'm also learning or attempting to learn skills like you know tactical shooting, rally car racing, uh, language learning. So it's a set secretly. It's like a secret set of Jason Bourne skills. There's a little bit Jason, there's a little bit of James Bond thrown in there as well, like the professional poker. And, uh, for those people who have, who, who don't, uh, have an example, perhaps the, uh, the way the stakes are set up. So the show's intention is to show you how to get superhuman results, even if you're not superhuman. So if you don't have great genetics or great budget, how do you learn these complex skills really well in an extremely short period of time? And what is the toolkit? What is the accelerated learning toolkit that you can apply to anything? 
Um, and I, I, I have a lot of face plants and injuries and, and make a lot of catastrophic mistakes in this TV series too. So I want people to see that it's not always hitting home runs. Um, but I might say have drumming. That was one episode. And, uh, Stuart Copeland is one of the top 10 drummers of all time is, is one of the teachers. And then four days later I have to play on stage to a sold out audience with the band foreigner. And, um, those are the types of, of pressures the, and, um, I got the digital distribution rights for the show, so I am putting out all 13 episodes at once, kind of House of Cards style, uh, on iTunes, and then I have bonus content that I'm going to put somewhere else. Uh, so iTunes, if you just search the Tim Ferriss Experiment, two R's, two S's, or go to iTunes.com forward slash Tim Ferriss with two R's and two S's. Uh, and then I'm going to be taking extended scenes and interviews and all sorts of gems that I wanted to put in but couldn't because of the time restriction uh, at fourhourworkweek.com forward slash TV. It's all spelled out, fourhourworkweek.com forward slash TV. So that's, uh, that's, that's the current plan, man. And uh, you know, after a year of trying to get the rights that I now have. I'm just so stoked to finally be putting it out because, um, you know, it's, it's, I think it's a solid show, man. And I usually don't kind of say that type of thing about stuff that I make myself, but it, this is the kind of show that I would have wanted to watch and that I would watch and that I do watch. So, um, to that extent, I'm super happy and I hope people feel the same way because I don't watch a lot of TV, but this is reflective of what I would watch. Yeah. I love it. I love it, man. And if you don't mind, we'll uh, share the trailer along with this podcast. Think that'd yeah. be awesome and uh, yeah the, go for it the, the crowd can uh, check it out and you know it's not an amateur show as well uh, it, it has really good production i love how they kind of slow the bullet down oh as yeah yeah and all that. oh yeah. yeah yeah i mean when we it's did the epic. tactical shooting yeah we have an incredible team i mean these are the guys who did anthony bourne's uh not anthony bourne's anthony bourdain stuff and uh in that particular episode the three gun shooting episode which is kind of like speed golf but swapping between real firearms, shotguns, AR-15s, assault rifles, handguns, and so on, uh, which is wild. And you're timed. You have to run through this course and swap guns. It's insane. It's like real-world Halo or Call of Duty or something. But uh, when we did that, we had for a day this insanely complex and expensive camera that can capture at you know like 10,000 frames per second. So you get, to sh- you get to see like the actual shotgun shell, or not the shell, but rather the payload coming out of the barrel and then slowly spreading. It's incredible. I mean, the, the footage is really, really wild. So yeah, yeah, we had, it's, it's a high production value. You don't get much higher. Beautiful. You'd probably tempted just to record the whole thing in like slow mode like that. <laughs> well, I, yeah, it's, I wanted to record some really ridiculous things like, you know, shaking my head and having my, <laughs> my jowls flap around in ultra slow-mo. But um, we were we were definitely on tight deadlines to get what we needed. So they couldn't, you know, <laughs> set up a you know, $5,000 shot just to shoot my cheeks flapping in the wind. But uh, yeah, slow-mo, slow-mo is amazing. It, it, uh, it, it can be used for a lot of things. Excellent, man. Excellent. So, you know, knowing what you know now and also the experiences that you've had, if you weren't doing this, if you weren't an entrepreneur, you weren't an author, what would you be doing? Okay, so I can't be, ooh, not being an entrepreneur is tough. because it's a hypothetical uh, you, question. Yeah, 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 yeah. If I couldn't be an entrepreneur or an author, so I have to have a job. Is that right? I have to have an employer? Yeah, I mean, you've had a lot of experiences yeah, yeah. now, so. I would, I would probably, I would be either a marine biologist or I would be a comic book penciler. I'd say wow. maybe one of those two. Or a storyboard artist 
for say a Pixar or something. Tough job to get, but if we're if we're talking about you know hypothetical fantasy scenarios, then then perhaps one of those two. And do you have skills in these areas already? I do have some experience. Uh, I wanted to be a marine biologist for about ten years, so I don't have a whole lot of training. But that's what I wanted to be when I was a little kid, and I still have a huge affinity for uh, marine life, and just I'm fascinated by by all types of marine life, especially sharks, because of course, as a little boy, that was what I was into. And um, for comic book penciling, I wanted to be a penciler for also, I'd say, five or 10 years. And I was a paid illustrator in college for a period of time. So as a college student, I would create illustrations and uh, drawings and designs for a number of books that um, my university put out and uh, also was the graphics editor of a satire magazine at the at uh, Princeton University. So I do have some background there, but my skills have atrophied horribly. So I, I make no claims to be pro level at all. Uh, but I did have the same job as Jim Lee of, I suppose, DC Comics now, who is one of my favorite comic book artists of all time. So he he held the same, we used the same desk uh, in the, in, in the <laughs> office cool. of the Princeton Tiger, but that's probably about as, as close as our skills get since he's a pro. Excellent, man, excellent. So during the uh, Tim Ferriss experiment, did you have any aha moments? Like somebody popped up and you're like, oh my God, I, I didn't realize this. Yeah, I, I had tons of aha moments. I probably had you know, a dozen an episode. I'm trying to think of uh, a few that come to mind. And I mean, these are more kind of soundbite maxims. Yeah. The, the, to- the tools sometimes take a bit more to explain. But for instance, with the drums, one of the key breakthrough moments was learning to play the song, not the drums. So, so given that I had such a short time frame, really spending more time on analyzing the anatomy of the song and figuring out what parts repeated and what parts changed so that I could limit my focus uh, turned out to be just as important as learning the technical aspects of just working on the drums. Uh, and uh, that was a real breakthrough for me because I assumed I had to be very technically proficient with the basics before moving to say sheet music but given four days as a deadline you really don't have the leisure of taking that approach so we had to flip things around and uh, that was that was a major breakthrough Uh, there were breakthroughs in in all of these skills so for instance in the three gun shooting uh, which was a blast uh, literally I guess uh, the importance of reloading so people think of like the boom, 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 all this being the, the fast part. But if you are really fast at that, if you have cat-like reflexes for that component, but you have a slow reload, you're toast. You're done. You're going to lose. Mm. And so you have to get very, very good at reloading. And it's kind of those in-between spaces, similar to music, where the, the pauses are what make the music. You know, music is the space between the notes, some people would say. Uh, you learn in these skills when you're working with a world-class teacher to focus on aspects that are neglected by, by many other people. So let's say it's swimming. There's an episode on long-distance swimming, and I didn't learn to swim until my 30s properly. So I was actually one of the coaches and helped take this woman who really wasn't comfortable putting her face underwater to hopefully, and I'm not going to give away the punchline, but swimming open water in the ocean in like 50 feet of water or something like that, uh, over a half mile course. It's like, so how do you do that in three to four days? Well, you can't just focus on propulsion and kicking harder, kicking more, pulling harder. It doesn't work. Uh, you have to focus on the biomechanics and say the, the duration of each glide, 
right? So that's the in-between space again. And it's like, how do you take your stroke rate down from like 20, 30 strokes per lap to 10 or 12 or something like that? And um, that's the theme that recurred over and over again with, uh, with a lot of these teachers and a lot of these episodes. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. And what would you say uh, is another component that you would need to implement Apart from just learning new skills, is there anything else you'd have to bring to the table every time you are you're setting out to achieve success? Yeah. Well, in the case of the the TV show, uh, we filmed thirteen episodes in I think sixteen weeks or something suicidal like that. It was insanity. So we're filming. If yeah, if you want a four hour work week, don't work in television. That's one tip. But uh, we were probably doing twelve to sixteen hour days minimum each day, Monday to Friday. Saturday was basically a work day. Uh, also, I was an executive producer, so I was reviewing stuff every night as well after all this. And then we'd fly to the next location. We had to move tons and tons of equipment, like, oh, whatever, 27 boxes of equipment. And uh, Sunday was sort of planning day, and then it was, back to, it was right back to the grind and the next skill the next day. And uh, I got really beat up in some of these. I mean, parkour, which is sort of like brick dancing meets ninja, running through a city, jumping off buildings and stuff really dangerous. And, uh, it turns out, and I uh, got very injured. So the, I had an entire suitcase full of, uh, recovery assistance, uh, ultrasound machine, electrostimulation, DMSO cream, all sorts of pills and potions, compression pants, something called voodoo floss that you can wrap around your knees to, to decrease inflammation. It went on and on and on. So for me to sustain that level of intense effort, and physical output over 16 weeks, God, I can't even, uh, in retrospect, just gives me PTSD thinking about it, <laughs> required paying a lot of attention to physiological stuff and uh, tools that I could use to, to basically add an extra day of recovery uh, in effect when I didn't have an extra day of recovery. So those were, those were, uh, those were also very, very important. Yeah, okay. Awesome. And, I, and, I, and, I, and I think in a general sense, if you're striving for a massive amount of, say, business success, however you define that, let's just say double, tripling, 10xing revenue, uh, you have to pay attention to the, uh, the highest value asset, and that is your physical body. Uh, it doesn't have unlimited capacity, and your neurotransmitters don't replenish perhaps as quickly as you would like, and you have to learn how to have these intense bursts of activity, but also these recuperative moments where perhaps you take a 30-minute nap in the afternoon. Perhaps you go for an hour-long walk after work at a certain time with a friend to decompress and basically meditate for that period of time. Uh, I think these built-in pauses for recovery or you take a hot bath every night with Epsom salt, for instance. I do, I do pretty much all of these things. Uh, even though people from the outside looking in are like, wow, that guy's just like breakneck constantly shooting things out of a can. It's like, I can't sustain that. And I've learned this in the last, say, 10 years without building in these breaks and recovery points. Yeah, beautiful. And one thing as well that I noticed, I watched, uh, I think it was a day in the life of Tim Ferriss. And I saw mm -hmm. you do uh, TM, which I also do yeah. as well, Transcendental Meditation, which is amazing. Yeah. How's is. your experience been with that? It's incredible. I mean, I just did 20 minutes this morning. So I find Transcendental Meditation very helpful. I don't think that everyone needs to use Transcendental Meditation, just tm.org for people who want to learn more. Uh, there are aspects of it that bug me, some of the kind of guru worship stuff that you have to go through in the beginning. Um, and you don't have to worship it, but they have you know the pictures of the Indian guy with the big beard, and that's all fine. But uh, 
Vipassana meditation, some type of mindfulness practice, I find to be a complete game changer. And people can use apps like Headspace or Calm to do guided meditation. Start with something really short. Start with three minutes, five minutes every morning. It makes an enormous difference. And um, I find that I, sometimes I misbehave and I don't do it. Uh, but when I do five days to seven days in a row, uh, there's a cumulative effect that is really tremendous for me where I just feel in the zone uh, after that point if I maintain it. Uh, but there is sort of a ramp-up period. Um, and uh, it's it's been instrumental in maintaining, to the extent that I'm prone to it, a level head while I'm trying to do all these very aggressive things. And quite a few of your uh, books are bestsellers, right? Well, all, yeah, all three of them. All three of them. Congratulations, I've a, man! Yeah, I've had a have a good I've had a good good tear. I love what you did with the uh, the last one, the four hour chef. How you are uh, banded with Ryan Holiday, who we've also had on the uh, the podcast, and and you guys uh, launched it through uh, torrents, man. I love that. I love that idea. Yeah, yeah. We had to go gorilla because uh, it was boycott since it was the first major book out of Amazon Publishing. It was boycotted by Barnes Noble and Target and Walmart, and almost all of the retailers which made it very, very challenging to, to, uh, to do my thing during launch week and move a lot of hard copies. So, you know, uh, when, when, a, when an obstacle pops up, you got to go over it, through it, or around it. And uh, Ryan was a good partner for that. Yeah, and you were the first to go. So, you know, you got to do something groundbreaking, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like, all right, well, if, you know, if you're not going to let me follow your rules, then I'll have to make my own rules. And so Torrent was a, was a really fun way to kind of shock and awe everybody. And, uh, it worked. It worked. It worked really well. I think it was the like downloaded, I don't know, three or four million times. So that definitely, wow. yeah, packed That's a punch. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love it. I love it. Awesome, man. So what would your tips be for writers nowadays? Like just the process, maybe even like your little rituals you go through, the, the creative process. Uh, for sure. So I think that a couple of things. I'll make some recommendations, book recommendations. Um, get a book called Bird by Bird. That'll help you manage the psychological and emotional challenges of being a writer. There's also some very good tactical stuff, especially for fiction. Bird by Bird is a must read. Uh, On Writing Well, I think is a good book. Uh, if that's too dry for you, then I think it's just On Writing by Stephen King is phenomenal. And I actually want to reread that uh, shortly. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a stupendous book. In terms of process uh, and patterns, what I've noticed is most prolific writers who are very good, they put out good product right between 10 p.m. and 8 a.m. somewhere in that range. What that means is either they go to bed very late, which is what I normally do if I'm on book deadline. I don't do that right now because it screws up my whole day and makes me feel lethargic and so on. But if I'm under the gun and I'm writing a book, I will write very, very late and go to bed late. Other people, uh, like the author of The Kite Runner, uh, Ramit Sethi, a friend of mine who wrote a bestseller, wake up early and they'll write for a number of hours in the morning before most people are up. And I think that's the key is you're writing when your, distract, your distractions are fewer, you have fewer IMs coming in, fewer email, fewer voicemails, et cetera. People are just asleep. And so you have that uninterrupted block of time to do synthesis. Uh, my process uh, in terms of um, beverages and whatnot usually includes something like, like tea. Uh, and I, I will combine that with occasionally, depends on where I am in my life, but you know, a glass of Malbec. 
It's important not to have more than two glasses because your writing will not get better. Uh, <laughs> although Hemingway used to say, write drunk, edit sober. I got to say, when you write, if you write drunk, it usually turns out crap. So don't do it. Yeah. But I would have a glass of Malbec and then either yerba mate tea, uh, which I would sip very uh, consistently and slowly through a gourd, which is basically has a straw called a bombilla or a bombisha that has holes in it. Uh, or I would have something like this. So this is uh, pu'er tea with turmeric and ginger in it. And uh, then I'll pour this into a cup like this with a, say, tablespoon of coconut oil, which converts, the brain likes coconut oil. The MCTs, the medium chain triglycerides in coconut oil are super helpful. So you make that little cocktail and uh, you sip it and it, it helps grease the wheels. And then I will very often listen to one or two albums on repeat in my headphones. And then I'll have a movie in the background on mute, a movie that I've seen like a hundred times. And that makes me feel less lonely when I'm writing. Um, so I did that with Casino Royale, did it with Board Identity, and then with Babe, a movie about the little pig for whatever reason. <laughs> I love Go you've figure. seen that a hundred times, have you? <laughs> oh, hundreds, not just a hundred, hundreds. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. Yeah. So do you, what, what's your views on uh, nootropics? Because I think that's, uh, that's kind of yeah. like a debatable subject. Oh, for sure. I would say it's, uh, it's, a, divisive, it's a divisive subject, right? It's, uh, it's a very complex subject, and I think people can do a lot of damage to themselves. So nootropics or smart drugs are drugs and they they have a strong biochemical effect but what i would argue is that not just the standard portfolio of pharmaceuticals like the hydrogenes the modafinils the silteps etc uh, those are not the only smart drugs so the the yerba mate that i mentioned has three different stimulants as i understand it caffeine which we all know theobromine which is found in dark chocolate and then theophylline which is found in green tea and by having all three they peak at different points so you get this very even keeled. If you sip it slowly over time as you write, you get this very even keeled performance advantage, like a, like a, a 10 or 20% uh, boost for two to three hours. So my preferred smart drug is actually just yerba mate tea. And I like, uh, my brand is Cruz de Malta, the Maltese cross. I get it with, with the sticks, compalo. And, um, it's a wonderful ritual too, just as a wind down or a wind up in the morning, depending on what you need. Yeah. I uh, also saw a video with you where you went into the gym. I think you, what are you doing? You're just like basically- Rack like, pulls. I was doing rack, rack pulls. deadlifts. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And so, and you went in, you, you were only in there for literally like five minutes. You're like, all right, I'm finished. And you go. When yeah. I'm at the gym, man, I'm working out for like 40 minutes. And for me, I'm finding it hard to put mass on, to be honest. I'm kind of like a hard gainer. Yeah. Yeah, am I doing I would, something wrong? I would limit it to 15 to 20 minutes max, two or three times per week. And the hard part isn't the working out, the hard part is the eating. So I would focus on Occam's protocol, which is in the four hour body, which is very minimalist. Try that for two, three weeks and see how you respond. And uh, if that fails, then I would, I would have some comprehensive blood testing done, as well as have a, a gastrointestinal sort of. Uh, fecal matter test so that you can identify if there's some type of digestive issue, say with your you know, gallbladder or who knows what, that might be preventing you from absorbing certain things or, or metabolizing certain things. But usually Occam's protocol and a bunch of food um, solves 99% of those cases. Okay. Thanks, man. Thanks for the advice. I appreciate that. Of course. And uh, also, I'm not sure if you had a chance to check out 
my website, addictedtosuccess.com. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the top self-development websites online. And we, we get around about 2 million views a month, which I'm pretty happy with. Uh, it's if huge. You're, if you're in my shoes, what would you do with that kind of traffic? Huh. So the short answer is I am very biased towards giving people things for free or things at very, very high prices. And I find that the kind of 5 to $50 price range, if you're handling the fulfillment yourself, is rife with headache. Uh, it means you have to handle a lot of customers. It means you're going to have to scale out customer service of some type if you want to be responsible. And uh, you will have a lot of complaints, no matter what. Even if it's the perfect product at the perfect price, 10% of the people who buy it will find a reason to make it their full-time job to send you complaints via email and other, other ways of messaging. So my preference has been to focus on free content for developing, uh, developing my platform, but all, I mean, first and foremost, helping people get very good results with the advice that I give, with the recipes that I supply after meeting with all these uh, and deconstructing these, these world-class performers. So tons of goodwill in so much as I've put out free content that I could have charged for, right? That other people would charge for. And then I might do an event like I did where I charged uh, $10,000 a seat in some cases. And it was on the sort of the future of content marketing. And uh, if people bought in the first X number of days, it was 7,500, then it went up to 8,500, then it went up to 10,000. And because I'd built up so much goodwill and I had that audience, I was able to sell out the entire event from one 750 word blog post. And I think that you only get that if you've, if you've established a level of credibility and reliability through the content that you put out. And, and then you aim for, you, you decide on, what the, the way I did it was I decided on the price that I wanted um, to sufficiently kind of winnow down my audience to a smaller number, like 200 people or whatever it was. And, uh, and then I decided what I would have to do to make that worth two, three X the price. Does that make sense? Yeah, and, yeah. and what I also did is I had people apply to be part of the event before producing the event. So I didn't have any cash outlay whatsoever until I knew that it was going to fly and that people were interested. And, uh, and then we, we took it from there. So that's, that's my preference. There are a lot of ways to skin the cat, met thousands, hundreds, millions, I'm sure, of different ways to generate revenue. That's my preferred method. Just for maximum income for minimum headache, that's, that's, my, that's, that's been my general preference. Yeah, I love that. I love the uh, ready, fire, aim approach. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's like, don't test early. Test early and test often. There's no reason not to. In this age, there's so many incredible tools for testing, uh, you could, you could test if you have an email list, even before you put it on the blog, you could test to a smaller subset and see how people respond before you put it out with the big guns on the blog. Uh, you could, if you're going to create a product, thinking of creating a product, you could test it on Kickstarter. And if you can't sell it on Kickstarter, you're not going to be able to sell it anywhere else and you save yourself the trouble. So there are many different avenues out there. You could use a tool like Unbounce, for instance, to create landing pages and to split test copy to see what works and what doesn't. Um, there are many options that make it foolish to invest a ton of money up front, generally, to say prototype and buy inventory and so on before you have sold a single unit. Do not make that mistake. There's no reason not to. I love it, man. Great strategies. Thank you for sharing that with us.
Yeah, now, of course. we're reaching the end of the interview, and uh, I always end the interview with this question, which usually goes mm-hmm. down pretty well. And the question is, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? That's a huge question. Uh, let's see. Uh, you are better than you think. Always test assumptions, especially your own. Uh, and as, as Richard Feynman said, Nobel Prize winner, uh, the most important thing is not to fool yourself and you're the easiest person to fool. So if you feel like you must do something, you should do something, you're limited to options A and B, ask yourself, what if this weren't the case? Ask yourself, what if I did the opposite? Ask yourself, what if I just tested this for two weeks? I could always come back to where I am now. And ask the absurd questions. You know, what if... Uh, what is preventing me from achieving my 10-year goal in six months, for instance, which is a question from a billionaire, Peter Thiel. And uh, don't shy away from being unique, being yourself, being in the minority, because as Mark Twain said, when you find yourself on the side of the majority, it is time to pause and reflect. Good luck and don't give up. That would be something. That would be what I'd say. Excellent. Thank you so much, Tim. Appreciate it, man. man. And for anybody that's listening or viewing this right now, Make sure that you pick up the four-hour work week, the four-hour body, the four-hour chef, whatever, man. Get get at least one of the books, and I'm sure you're going to want to pick up the next one and the, the, the one after that or before that. So uh, thank you, Tim. Thanks for joining us today, man. Oh, my pleasure. And for people who who might not feel like curling up with a big book, you can get a pretty good taste of, uh, of my style of doing things by, by checking out the TV show. So the Tim Ferriss Experiment. 21 minutes, check it out. Choose one that you think will get your adrenaline going. And uh, if, you, if you like that, you'll like the books and you'll certainly like the other episodes. So check it out on iTunes or on uh, 4hourworkweek.com forward slash TV. I'll be putting up a bunch of uh, free stuff there as well. Excellent. Thanks, Tim. Cool. All the best. All right, buddy. mate. Guess later, Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye.